0: The Lord. Did Reza come? Wow. Okay. Well, we're blessed today. I thought we were going to have three nations being represented to listening to the meeting. Usually Reza is listening from Vaughn. We usually have someone from Canada. And today Christy is listening uh, from Colorado. Yeah. So, sorry to disappoint everybody. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles to James. My mind is kind of swirling around today. Um, I hope that would be because maybe God is working in my life, and I'm becoming aware of that. I want to start out uh, with a concept, but I do want to continue to move along the lines of God's purpose and God's plan in our life and particularly His working, according to His plan, in the church and with us. But in order to understand those things, or to work with those things, we have to come to a knowledge and an understanding of God, which is probably a lifelong pursuit. Can you hear me? You can't hear me. Okay. If not, I can, I can talk louder. <clears throat> in James chapter 4, there's a concept here we've all heard of, a teaching we've all heard of, but many times things are just a teaching until they become real to us. The Bible calls like a revelation or a manifestation. And I want to talk about this idea because many times we just... I believe God is trying to work in our life or even chasten us from time to time and we're just not aware of it because we're, we're just generally just caught up with ourselves. And one of the key elements is we're just proud. Now, the Bible says only by pride comes contention in in Proverbs. So many have you ever found yourself contending with God? Have you ever found yourself contending with God's plan in your life? Have you ever found yourself contending with what you thought God's plan was not in your life, but it really was God's plan in your life? Now, that's one of the biggest problems we have, is really like this couldn't be God when in reality... It's because of pride that we're contending with him. So Now, now God makes a promise to those that are proud. So now, first off, only by pride comes contention. So if there's contention in your life towards God and towards his plan and things going on in your life, it's your fault. It's because you're proud. And God needs to humble us. Well, he doesn't need to humble us, but he's working to humble us so that we can come to know him. Now, the Bible says that, you know, he only does wondrous things. God is good. You ever hear that song, God is good, all the time? I used to hate that song. And sometimes I still do. Because, I, because in my pride, I, oh, God is good, and then how come this is happening? Well, it's because you're proud and you're seeing things from a high and haughty attitude rather than from a humble attitude. Now, in Philippians, we've read this many times, so we don't need to open it, but in Philippians it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And it says that he what? He humbled himself. Now, James talks about let the man of high degree humble himself, humble yourself in the sight of God. Now, as we're thinking about that, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, what does that really mean in real terms in your life? See, now those can be wonderful sayings. Let this mind, we great things. But what does that mean? Well, I, I kind of was thinking about this. God wants you and me to think like he thinks. Oh, Now, I find myself resisting that very often. Now, on Wednesday, I've been I, I, I thinking on some things, and I, I shared this and then I continue to want to share because I believe it's what God is working in my life and hopefully there'll be some things for you in there that our life we talked about in, in chapel our life is a vapor now it's an interesting thing that God picks that analogy to compare our life to he doesn't say your life is a pile of gold and it's of so valuable And no, your life is a vapor now does anybody know what a vapor is? Vapor is something you can either have two things. Like if you ever have a tea kettle and it steams, and I've never seen anybody go, wow, this, let's save this. This is kind of get it out of the way. Or when you take a shower, actually vapor is kind of annoying when you take a shower. I mean, it's kind of nice when you're there and it's all steamed. but you get out and you can't see the mirror. And what do you usually do with that vapor? You wipe it away and say, get lost. Now this is what God chooses to compare your life to. Basically, it's here for a very short time, but it is worthless. See, wait a minute. No, the only thing that gives your life any worth is God. He said, for God so loved you that he gave it worth through dying for it. He gave it worth through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to be thankful and continue to remember to be thankful for several things. Well, first off, we need to be thankful that God has opened the eyes of our understanding and let us know that we're sinners. See, many times that, that eludes us. Well, I'm not a... See, I just... And I find myself through pride, arrogance, haughtiness, fighting against God. We see Paul doing that. But well, it seemed very holy, seemed very reasonable, but the more we contend, we're going to come up against... We're like the Titanic. The invincible Titanic. It was the best ship around. It was... Just this wonderful thing, but there is something. I was speaking to the children about this the other day. <coughs> Ethan, God bless him. Don't pick on Ethan. We all got the problem. I said there's a couple things you have to learn in this life, and I said I had to learn this rather young. I told them I had my nose broken several times. I have cuts all over my body. I was a very mean child growing up, and till till people began to mature faster than me, it's so a slow mature. And at a young age, I was uh, wild and stuff, and then I realized. And this is the lesson. I'm sorry I told him not to tell anybody, but I I just got to tell you. There's a lesson. There is somebody always tougher than you. And in this case, it's God. And God has set his face against our natural man because it's, it's evil. It's a sinful nature. And so there's always an iceberg out there with your name on it. Well, actually, it's God's name on it. You're the Titanic, and we think we're going along, but you're really a vapor. Now, we are on a collision course, and God's determination is not to save the... Now, I'm just using the Titanic as an analogy. Don't say, well, God hated the Titanic and, you know, made it sink. (laughs) But God is determined to have our natural life destroyed. that we're no longer thinking like the natural man, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He was an unnatural person. He was an abnormal person. He was one that was not of this earth, but he was from heaven. And that's saying, humble yourself just as Christ humbled himself and learn to think like God. Now, if if we put value on our life, if we don't look at it from God's perspective, then other purposes begin to creep up. And those other purposes, and we see that with Peter, a noble purpose, he's going to save the Lord. And we see, and they actually came back one day and said, wow, praise God, we're able to cast out devils and do this. Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. That's not where your life is. Rejoice rather that you're coming to know me. See, but we get caught up in success and we can do and I can. No, he says, those things will come and go. But what remains forever is the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that our sins have been forgiven. Thank God that we are the, for the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God that our sins have been washed away. Thank God that He rose from the dead as we sang that song, that we too can raise in newness of life. Thank God He's coming back again. Well, that's all revelation. But now in this world, sometimes those things seem to elude me because of what? Pride. I find myself in contention with God and with what He's doing, and we're going to see that God wants to actually bring things into our life to change my thinking, so that let so it could be let this mind be in you to think like He thinks. Now the main so there's your life is absolutely worthless. There is no purpose to life. That's why Paul says, if in this life alone you have hope, you're going to be miserable. If that's the case, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There is no, there's no point to this life. But we have eternal hope. We have a hope that's not of this world. We have a hope that's been given to us by the Son of God and by the Holy Spirit, by God the Father, that we realize that the things that are seen are temporal. But we have an eternal hope that causes us then to reorganize our life to His purpose. Now there's where there's a problem that goes on in our life. Because the natural man does not receive God. Doesn't receive God's things, thinks they are actually foolishness. Have you ever had, have you ever had some things... foolishness? This is silly. This is dumb. That's because other purposes are rising up that you want to do. And see the great prayer of Jesus was not my will be done, but yours be done. But only by pride does I don't I don't see that and I want and I find myself contending with God. Now if you contend with God, God's going to win. I mean, just God, God's going to win. It's just uh, at the end of the book, he he already he, he wins. So there's a way to walk with him to where we can actually have our minds changed, our souls changed, to start agreeing with God, and we humble ourselves instead of being so proud all the time. And we're going to look at several people that God brings things into our life to humble us now and to have us think like He thinks. Now, many times, again, we, we, we give ourselves way too much credit. I wrote this down, so I want to get it right. You know, we think many times if we're convicted, we will repent. Most of the times in the Bible, conviction was meant to bring repentance. But many times, especially in, in, the, in the first instance, which we see, conviction comes. And what's conviction? Well, the, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin. Convict you of right, basically let you know something, reveal something, convict you of you are not walking correctly. Now, in the day when Stephen, remember Stephen, he was preaching, and it said what happened. The, the words that were he was preaching, it says his, his face shone like an angel, and the word that he was preaching wasn't like they said. Oh man, that's really stupid. We don't believe that. Ha ha They would not have been convicted. They it, it, the, the seed didn't even enter into their heart then. But it said the word cut them to the heart. Now, what, I want to, what I'm trying to say is when the Word of... Watch your reaction. Because many times your reaction is exactly oppositely proving what God wants to do. Okay? So here, though, Stephan is preaching the Word of God. They were cut to the heart. God touched their heart. And what did they do? They became like, how are we going to kill this man? And I find it very easy for us because of the wonderful relationship that God brings us into, it's very easy for us to blaspheme God. It's very easy to, if you would, curse God. It's very easy to reject God. Like I said, it would be very easy not to build the ark. Most people didn't. It's very easy not to come back and say thank you. Nine lepers did it. Very easy to not be the faithful servant because I don't want to give up my plan my purpose well the reason you have a purpose in life is to give it up there's one purpose that god has and that is that he wants to be glorified in you and in his church and throughout all creation that's why we're here that's why we're redeemed so many times again we were we're actually when now adam when adam and eve were convicted they heard the voice of the Lord. See, many times we're hearing the voice of the Lord, but we get. Adam and Eve heard the. Remember the Stephen? Okay, I'm giving you a few examples. They heard. They were cut to the heart. They said, Oh! Have you ever had God move in your life and you? I don't want to do this, and how come this is happening? Oh, there's a reason for that. You're proud, and you're contending with God. You have not yet learned to think like God does. Adam and Eve heard the voice of God and what did they do? They hid themselves and they began immediately to contend with God. Now because they... And they, when they heard God, they were afraid. So many times when there's things coming up in your heart of contention or fear or justification, it may be not because you're not hearing God. We say, well, I couldn't be God. Most likely it is because you are hearing God, but your reaction is not one of Humility not one of repentance it's one of Hebrews saying let's turn to Hebrews we'll get back to this in a minute no we really should read this let's read James while we're here but remember Hebrews you got that hon? remember Hebrews okay from whence comes fightings and wars among you anybody have a fighting and wars contention with God and what, what he's doing where does that come from? comes from them if my if they if the church no that's not where it comes from now the pride man the man that has his own purpose he would say oh yes we'll see it's no what that is doing is showing you that you've heard the voice of God and instead of repenting and humbling yourself you've God, well I just I'm not going to do that you're not yet thinking like God God brings things into our life to show us where we're not thinking like Him. We don't have to then immediately do it. We can actually resist that. But in, in God, we, we see, and we're going to look at... Well, we're gonna, oh, boy. Good thing we got a long time. Many people come, and God brings situations. The children of Israel... We'll, we'll digress a little bit more. The children of Israel, they were soldiers. These men were called of God... They were children of Israel. They were soldiers. And they heard something. Goliath was saying, You circumcised Jews, we're going to kill you, and your God is nothing. And what happened? They did the same thing that Adam and Eve did they feared. Instead of having that situation hit them and cause the mind of God to come up, if we don't respond to the situation or the word of God correctly, fear rises up and they hid themselves. Same situation now, but we're going to see two different things. See, Adam was in the same situation. Adam was created by God. Jesus was sent here by God. Same situation in the world, but yet Jesus chose to do the will of His Father, abdicating or giving up His own course, His own plan, His own purpose, and allowing God to work in Him to ultimately has one purpose, to glorify God. Peter had to be reminded that his purpose was to glorify God and it's easy to forget that it's easy to go back but you have David, now David comes on the course of life and here's the same situation, the situation was not meant to destroy Israel was not meant for them to be cowards, was meant to them to rise up and think like God thinks so this situation rises up and David hears it and what happens? He says, who is this? I'm going to kill that uncircumcised filth. And I'm going to take his head off. Situation rose up. Same thing. But he thinks like God. Now, the same thing, the same fear would have been there. He could have lost his life. He could have been killed. As a matter of fact, then he actually does stand up for God. The carnal man, remember the carnal, the natural man? What does the natural man do? The natural man always persecutes the spiritual man. We have that amongst ourselves. You have it in you, but we have it in the story here. When David actually rose up in conviction and responded as the Holy Spirit would have him respond, the natural man, not understanding it, says, you proud little brat, what do you think you're doing? No. See, there needs to be a way that we start learning to think like God in situations. So there's going to come situations in our life that God is ordaining, For what reason? Well, to destroy the natural man and that you only have one purpose left in your vaporous life and that's to glorify God. Now, all through the day and all through your mind, all through your life, there's other little purposes coming up. See, now, David could have just been a good little boy, just obeyed his father as, okay, I delivered the grapes, delivered the raisins, the figs fell on, and I went home. Well, would have missed the purpose of god so you can be dull and not cause trouble you can be dull and not actually live in sin but also miss the purpose of god see it's not just enough just to be dull we need to be sharp and wise as serpents harmless as does but there needs to be a response to the holy spirit see a dull person doesn't even hear the holy spirit but there needs to be a provoking word that actually provokes pride to rise up. Remember the squirrel game? So that God can take its head off. Just bang. Okay. Now, if you're not proud, if you're not proud, I feel even sorrier for you. Because then I would be worried that God isn't even dealing in your life. See, if you don't have these, these struggles... Then I don't know if the Holy Spirit is actually any more dealing in your life because you're not coming to places because we should be growing from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and should be growing in the Word of God. But sometimes we get so hard, as Hebrews says, and that's what I wanted to turn to, but I'll just read it. it says when it meant conviction. When when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, don't harden your heart. That's mostly the reaction we get. And we have to be aware, as soon as I start to harden, be aware. Wait a minute, that's some fruit. But that's not the fruit God's looking for. There must be something God is speaking to me. Now, at that point, I need to start to be thinking like God. So where does wars and rumors of wars come from? They come from yourself. They, you, you lust and have not. You have another purpose. You have something else that you want to do with your life. Or at that moment, instead of giving thanks in all things, rejoicing in the hope of glory, believing that God is moving, I don't see that and well i want to run my life it's pride and at that point i begin to contend with god i find fault with god why did you send a woman anyway and you shouldn't have done this and i don't see this and even saul now saul the king at some point he was convicted he knew that he was doing wrong didn't repent he went to a witch well how could you be convicted because If we still react out of pride, we can hear the voice of the Lord, but my reaction is going to be a natural reaction. Either I'm going to turn on people and yell at them, beat them, curse them, whatever it is, or just actually do wrong things. So we need to actually look at our fruit and our reactions and judge them properly. Are you following what I'm saying? Because many times we just go, well, I feel this is wrong, and you do. Say, oh, wait a minute, there must be a reason why I feel this is wrong. It must be maybe I'm getting convicted of the right thing and I should do that, okay? So goes on here and talks about that many times, we, we, you know, the, the, the reason that we're in contention is first off, pride, but because we have other desires that we haven't submitted to the Lord. We have, we're not thinking yet like Him. There's things I still cling on to. And God needs to have that completely gone because at any time, if not, see, see, if I just didn't want to get in trouble, I just don't want to cause any problems. I could have just delivered the stuff and gone home, like David. See, but, or there needs to be produced fear or anger or pride and then say, oh, Lord, that belongs to you. This is what you want. See, there has to be a sacrifice of the natural mind, a sacrifice of the will. Okay, so anyway, let's keep going down here. The world is an enemy with God. Whosoever be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? We won't talk about that now. Too much stuff there. Do you think the scripture say in vain, the spirit that dwells in you lusts to envy. There's a natural soulish spirit, whatever you want to say, that is against God. The natural man is against God. And that is in you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, be aware of that. But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hallelujah. God is on a mission, at least in this verse. And he wants to resist the proud. Have you found yourself being resisted? Well, it may not be the devil. It most likely is the Lord trying to say, you're you're not hearing me. And I will continue to bring these things into your life until you hear me, until you can give thanks in those things, till you think the way I think, knowing that I, have, I am doing things for a greater purpose than you can understand. And there is only one purpose you're here, that is to glorify God in the way that I have chosen to do so. He gives, Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. There's a way of humbling ourselves. Yes, Lord. Lord, I I choose to receive what you're doing. I choose to think like you. I choose to release my purpose and receive your purpose working in my life. And it has to happen along life's daily drudgeries and life's daily ways. There needs to be that we start thinking like God. And we're going to look at how God is going to do that through His church. Now see, all the, the most of the children of Israel, over and over and over again, but until we start to really embrace and love God more than our own lives, we're going to hate one and love the other. And it always comes that we're going to be pushed to make a choice. Why does God, God send Goliath allow us to come the children of Israel, like I said, they're all soldiers, so they're probably like from 16 to like 30, 35 years old. And the men of prime, men of, you know, hey, let's go whack somebody's head off. You know, they're full of zeal, full of youth. But they were in fear. How did, they, how did that change? David came and had the mind of God. He doesn't have it like he owned it. But at that moment, he responded past his pride, past his fear, past his natural, and he understood that there was something God wanted to do here more than deliver the fruit. And he spoke. And when he spoke, that caused something to happen. The God has determined that through the foolishness of speaking, through the foolishness of preaching, he wants to save those that are lost. You could be lost in your own thoughts this morning. You could be lost in your own ways this morning. And God wants to speak to you. And most likely in his time and his plan and his awesome wisdom, he has chosen to speak to you through men. And he's Ephesians 4, and he said he's given gifts unto men for the equipping of the saints. Most likely you will not respond only to God. If that was the case, we wouldn't have church. We wouldn't have the Bible. We wouldn't need any of these things that we seem to talk so much about. But because we still want to hold on to our life and our prideful ways and our own purposes, God sends an apostle, God sends a prophet, God sends a father, God sends a mother, God sends members of the body, and we go, I don't want to hear that. You heard God, and you've hardened your heart. At that point, beware that God will just allow you to pick up manna for the next 40 years. And if you read the rest of that story, there's not a whole lot more to be said. A few things happen here and there, but basically he's just waiting for them to go so he can work with some other people. That's what I'm saying. It'd be better better to always be in a fight with God. At least you know you're alive. But it would be much better to say, you know what? I'm going to start thinking this is God has a purpose for me. I need to start being thankful. I need to start thinking and liking what he likes so how would you know what God liked well he'll send, a, he'll send a David he might send a Moses he'll send a Saul or a Paul send a Peter and God works with them and there's a reason why he, he, he puts people in different places there's a way in which God wants you to walk there's a way in which God wants you to think and he's going to come down to real stuff and At that point, I make a choice. See, me and Randy were working yesterday. I, I find... I, I came to a couple thoughts the other day. Mo- I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fairly hard worker, even at, at this age. I'm not as good as I used to be. But I like to be diligent. But I wasn't always that way. Now, there's a plus. I'm getting to the negative side of this. And I, it's kind of coming to me as I'm getting older. I'm a pretty diligent worker. I like like to get things done there's an order to do them and and then I finally was thinking you know I really don't like work I used to be a very lazy slothful person thought work was of the devil and uh, just money was a sin and you know sweating was a sin responsibility was a sin everything was a sin except what I liked maybe you have that same problem but I began to think of the reason now there's a plus point to this like I said I've learned to be diligent but many times I'm diligent out of the wrong motive I'm diligent just to get the work done instead of finding the Lord in that. So really, I kind of changed some of my outward, but my inward person was still hating work and thinking it's a dumb thing was still there. And so I have been contending with God. Now he's trying to say, well, no, this is, I am here in this, and I want you to begin to glorify me in whatever I send your way. See, now it may be a Goliath, it may be an Eve, it may be the children of Israel. See, now Moses, see, what, what, why do all of these things happen in your life? If God was able to deliver the children of Israel with a high and mighty hand, He's able to stop Pharaoh, Drown. I mean, just oh, the, the miracles I, can, I can't say enough. Why does He send Moses these people that are stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and always complaining? For a reason to change Moses to think like God. No longer did Moses think like the old Moses, the self-righteous Moses, the Moses that heard God and knew what to do. I know God. He no longer was that person. Well, he was, but... God was working on him through all the stupid circumstances that you think, it's necessary. The Titanic is a mighty ship. It's not going to be sunk with a few ice cubes. It needs a mighty iceberg that you don't see coming. How could you not see an iceberg not coming? I mean, and the thing was, you, well, sometime, have you found some strange things happening in your life that you just didn't think, and you planned best for them not to come? You had a purpose? God's got another pers- purpose, Joseph. So Moses, Moses, again, he's got some circumstances. I mean, I think there was days he's going like, my goodness, I mean, He'd go to the, he, one day they actually came to him was complaining he said I can't uh, he went to the temple and just began to pray he said I can't I don't know what to do with these people and God actually comes to Moses and says Moses I've had it I'm paraphrasing but pretty much says this I've had it let me wipe these people out because they're never going to get it and let me send you some new people it's a good thing I wasn't there but why did God say that? Why did God allow that? To say, Moses, have you, do you think like me yet? And Moses says, God, don't do that because it's not like you. Oh. Wouldn't it have been better if... No. Because we're dealing with things, with principalities, powers, kingdoms in the air that we don't understand. And God says, that's worth it. See, Paul does the same thing. He says, I have a choice whether to go to be with the Lord, which is far better, or to stay here, which is needful for you. Oh. Well, there's some sinners down there. Jesus, what do you think we should do? Oh, those dirty, rotten sinners, I've had it with them. Just let's let them die, send them to hell. Father, send me. I'll cleanse them from their sin. What? that kind of thinking you can be buffeted you can be beaten you can be stabbed you can but pretty soon there'll be a mind in you that thinks like Jesus who humbles himself how many people have humbled themselves enough and then you think "I I think this way I think if I'm good enough then I finally get my way anybody think like that? hi devil yeah we think okay I've been good I've been good I've been good now I should get my way we see that with kids sometimes. You know, you, I always knew when the kids were up to something, when they behaved. Their rooms were clean. They liked this. They combed their hair right. I knew they were going to ask me for something, and they really expected you to say yes. It's insane. God's got a purpose, and we should love His purpose. Wipe these people out? Don't do it, Father. Boy, I'd love to go home. No, I need to. You need to stay here with the church. Guna Um... He, they, but it has to be voluntary see the thing is it has to be voluntary and this is where we fall real short because God, like I said it's so easy to blaspheme God I'm just not going to do it I don't see it that way it's easy to be prideful I didn't hear the Lord in that it's because you're so hard hearted you did hear the Lord but you're pretending you didn't hear the Lord Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He gives more grace. Therefore, he gives... Have you had a lot of grace operating in your life? You're going to find yourself resisted. Because he's going to resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I'm finding, I'm finding, that as I humble myself to... I don't like to humble myself. Does anybody here like that? How many people here like to have your own way? Is anybody here naughty? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Some of us just, you know, a, a, some of us can just be dull and hard-hearted, and some of us are, you know, naughty and hard-hearted. But the point is exactly the same, and God needs to provoke you to where we're not even at hard-hearted at all. We're humble before Him. And sometimes I just, I, I just don't like what God's doing. I don't know why I can't do. That's pride. That's sin. It doesn't matter on whatever level you find it on. God, I am called to serve you and have only one purpose. He gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself. What does that mean? Father, I accept your will. And in this particular situation, if this is what you're working, then I accept that and embrace it. And what happens sooner or later, you actually begin to love those His things. See, I no longer think... Um, I'm coming to a greater point. See, I, I don't think, as someone said, you work, that's of the devil. I don't think that way anymore. Now, there's deeper things that God's working in my life, but pretty much I look at certain things a certain way because I'm letting his mind work in me. Are you understanding that? Okay. Submit yourself, therefore, to God and resist the devil and he will free, flee from you. I always thought that was kind of one of those, I didn't like scriptures like that because it always seemed to put things back on me. You know, how many of you want God just to do everything? You know, wouldn't that be nice? I think Martin Luther said it. Wouldn't, you know, if it was he said, Martin Luther, I believe he said something like this. He said, if I created the world, it would rain beer every day. You know, just, yeah, he probably had a problem, I don't know. But th- the thing is, submit yourself to God. Oh, the next, next verse, that's what I want. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I, I'm, just, I'm just confessing here. My, 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 my nature, when I hear scriptures like that, i not drawing near to God. I and mean, I wouldn't actually do, but in the daily things, I'm, I'm proudful. But when I find that when I don't draw near to God, it's for one reason. What is it? What is it? Pride. I have my own agenda. We would say it another way. I love my life. I'm blaspheming God. I'm disobedient. But we never say that like that. See, I, don't, I just don't see it. You don't have to see it. You have to believe it. Because when we believe it, then we see it. See, how can you draw near to God when this is happening? And God, when this is all, how, how can I draw near to Him? Draw near to God. He doesn't say, and something's going to happen. If you submit yourself to God, if you humble yourself out of your situation, out of all your purpose, out of all your reasoning, and you say, God, I draw near to you, I, I'm beginning to like what you like in this situation. And it could, see, it's got to come down to reality. See, me and Randy were, were, were doing some nailing yesterday. It's a job I didn't want to do. How many, I mean, the nails were just bending all over the place. I was, and then I, cu- I cut the... It was a good day, wasn't it? My electricity didn't work. Then I cut the cord, cut the cord with the saw, and then the nails were like this, and the nail. And I was getting, you know, a little bit. Then I began to say, you know, okay, praise God, this is this is what God wants to do. Now I don't like that. See, to me, I don't want to draw near to that kind of God. I want to draw near to the God that, oh wow, oh Victor, and this is really where it comes from. You're so wonderful. Oh, did you see the house, said Victor. Oh, he does such a nice job. Oh, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about casting out devils. not about he. Don't rejoice. I mean, you know, he says, don't rejoice in that. There's something greater that God is working. Those fruits will come. Those fruits will be there. But the mind that says, Father, don't destroy them. It's not like you. That's in who we should rejoice. But when we do finally get... when we come to the point that we, 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 we get off our pride trip, we can actually draw near to God and we're going to find out what's going to happen. He's going to draw near to us. And many times we're, we're, we're far from God because we haven't started drawing near to Him. We're still wanting to do our own thing. Now, at some point, like I said, God sends servants to you. Remember how He does that. He sends servants And as as you receive the servant, so will you receive the Son of God. Does anybody know the stories? Okay, there was a field. Master went away. Who does he send? He sends his servants. They beat him up, laugh at him, kick him, kill him. They send some prophets. Same thing. Finally, he sends his son. If you don't hear the servant, you don't hear God. A little bit of pride still remaining there. Did you feel it? Yeah, well, what if he's wrong? Well, God's not concerned about that. That's a tough one, isn't it? How could God let the children of Israel stay in bondage for over 400 years? How many babies must have been murdered? How many people died of brutality? I don't. Those things are beyond... See, those things I, I am not here to... I don't understand those things. But what, I, what the revelation of God is, is saying, will you trust me do you believe that I'm good all the time do you believe that I am here working in your life when I ask you to take Goliath's head off when you're only 12 or 13 years old and everybody is will you let me will you endure hardness still Moses after you've been faithful for all this time and Hebrews says he was a man faithful in another man's house but God says let me wipe these out, Father. No, it's not like you. Will we allow that mind to be in us? And God is sending his servants to us. He's sending his word to us to, 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 to crucify our pride, to actually humble ourselves, to give us something that we can learn to think like God, how he wants me to think now. See? The interesting thing is David doesn't go around taking off everybody's head after that. Noah doesn't keep building boats after that. Abraham, I think, after, he, after Isaac, pretty much, and Sarah dies, he settles down. He's not walking around anymore. God wants to speak to you in a situation right now. He's going to speak to you about things that you like and you don't like and attitudes that you have because that's all he can deal with. Your life is worthless. What you possess, what you do, He's not interested in what you gain or what you don't gain. What He's interested in changing your mind and that's going to only come by things that you have attached your heart to. And it could be dogs and cats and money and clothing and hair and telephones and God's going to say, I don't like that. And you're going to say, I do. And you've missed them. It's just that easy. But God loves us so much that he's going to chasten us and I'm beginning to be I'm starting to at least see that when God chastens me you know I know this is going to sound maybe easy for some people when God begins to chasten me it usually means I've done something wrong and sometimes I don't connect the dots why is this happening I'm going oh wait a minute there must be a re oh well God thank you for chasing me I don't really like it it's not joyous but I know you love me and you're working in me then I'm going to start to think like you Then I need to start adapting myself to the call that you have called me to see the, the, the men that were given talents two of them began to think like the Lord the third one was what he was afraid he didn't want to lose his life he didn't want to take a gamble he didn't want to be abused he just wanted to be safe he was hiding his stuff and said okay Lord here's what you want and God said I don't like that that's not me these others, they took a risk, and they started to do these things. This is what God wants you to do. Step out where you haven't stepped before. In, I don't mean in a weird way, but God is directing you. He's speaking to you. He's sending servants. He's sending apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, gifts in the church, men and women in the church, particularly men that are speaking. And I said that just to get a rise. That are speaking and saying, that's why... That's why you have parents. That's why you have leaders in the church because you have to learn to like things. I know you're going to get upset about this, that you don't choose to like. Do you know that God will use a wrong situation in your life to produce righteousness? Look at Joseph. Look at Pharaoh. Look at Saul. Look at, look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Pontius Pilate said, don't you understand I can kill you right now? Aren't you afraid? I would be afraid if I had my own purpose. Because then I think, you're destroying my life. But if I have only one purpose in God, I realize that you didn't do this. God has led me here. And my response isn't to change the situation, but is to let what God likes happen, his purpose to be done in my life. Instead of, well, I, I, I don't see it. I don't care if you see anything wrong in it or not. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Lay down your life. Be the example that God has told you to be. So we want to draw near to God. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and He will lift you up. Now, as we're talking about this, so there's a place of drawing near to God that first comes. I, again, I, I just I am not. I don't want you to. I don't want you to emulate. The bad things that I'm telling you about, but I, I just, I have a very unruly soul. I have a soul that just was corrupt and uh, uh, naughty, and just, just always railing and fighting against God. And uh, whenever I hear that, draw near to God. So why didn't He draw near first? The other one I didn't like was, after you have done the will of God, then you receive the promises. I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm the one who's wrong. I am. This is eternal life. Father, then I need to wrap my mind around it and I need to start practicing that. See, practicing it is going to be unnatural. It's going to be something. When you find that rise up in you, when you find up that you, you're cut to the heart and you want to rise up and gnash on people's lives, or you want to hide in fear, or you want to run away, or you don't want to say, let's take that head off, or hey, let's go up at once and take the land. Well, no, we're going to check this out. People who check it out get left behind people who say well I don't, I heard that word Paul I heard that word Pray, I heard that word amen you think about it that's why Paul did not confer with flesh and blood i don't i don't think that means he didn't talk with people he didn't he didn't confer with ungodly counsel he conferred with the holy spirit that was working in him so now, I want us to look at this. Where is that scripture? Philippians chapter 2. That's where we'll go. really doesn't matter. Nope, let's go to 1 Corinthians. We'll start... Because I, I, I want us to get... I, I think we need to come back to what the call of God is in a realistic, actual practicing way. We are called to make disciples. Okay? You are, everybody in 1 Corinthians, keep your finger there. I want to read you a scripture. How am I doing, hon? Don't tell her that I forgot my pants. Actually, that's what they said. She called me last night because she didn't set my clothes out. I mean, how embarrassing! My ho- my ho- my mat- my house is full of all the guys and everything, and I checked too. I, the other day, I checked this. bio. What am I going to do? No clothes were set out. Sometimes she sets them in the other room. They weren't there. So I said, "Oh, I should be able. To, I'll be able. To, I'll be able to do that." I didn't. I don't even know where my shirts are. She said, They're in the other closet. I found it, hun. It's a work shirt. And <laughs> she gradually calls in front of everybody to let me know that. She didn't set my clothes on. I said, well, I already know. And she's trying to tell me what to wear. And I, I actually, I teased her one time. I said, one, if you go away, I'm going to wear, I got these nice shoes. They're nice. Pat got them for me. These, uh, the, the, has, anybody, has all God's children got these kind of shoes yet? They're really nice. But the, I, got, I got brown and black. I was going to wear one of each. <laughs> but now I can't do it because you'll always be looking. But I was wondering how many people would notice. Would you notice something like that? You know, it's amazing. You're sick. But if I was a rock star, you'd go, Wow, that's really cool. But if you're just an old pastor, oh boy, he's dumb. So anyway, I'm looking good, hon. Anyway, we've got to come back and practice the purpose that God has called us to. We are called to make disciples. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, I like that. I like baptizing people in Vaughan. It was fun. It was exciting. It was dangerous. We baptized them in Vaughan Lake. That was exciting. But don't, that's not what we're supposed to be rejoicing about. I mean, i got some memories. You know, it's neat. I'm honored by God. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm honored that God would, you know... To me, it's, it's, it's sentimental. But we should be preaching and, and then baptizing. That'd be great. Well, Now we've been praying for the kids. We pray for the children. Well, let's be also be preaching to them. Parents, be telling them about coming about to the Lord Jesus. They need to be born again. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to be baptized. Praying for them is a good thing. But there also needs to be, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And I think it's great. They're, they're starting to come into the culture and the customs of their people. Grace, first time walking around. What a great thing that is. You know what? They, they, it's weird with kids. I even notice between, like, say, Lydia and Hannah and the younger kids, they're different. The, the younger kids, they can walk around. They think Every time they go around, it's new. You know, for them now, it's kind of like, who wants to walk around? You know, wait till you're 60. It's like, who wants to be here? <laughs> Take me home, Lord. But he's got another, he's got a work to do. Okay, but teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. what What are we supposed to be teaching? Some people said, well, you're only doing that because that's what you learned. You were taught that way. That's what I'm supposed to do. We can only be teaching those things which we have been preached to, believing that that's what God told me. Noah, when you build the ark, make sure it's 300 cubits by 80 cubits by 50 cubits. It's got this door, it's got that. It's not important. Moses, when you build it, make sure you build it like this. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his coming, had to fulfill every jot and tittle of the prophecy, or he would have been discounted. We are to be preaching and teaching those things that you've heard. And that you've been taught, the prideful man won't do that. There was not a big amen on that, was there? Like, oh well, yeah, you know, because I need to humble myself. See, it's, the student doesn't need to be better than his teacher; just needs to be like him. Have you ever noticed why you don't like your elders? How you always, God always puts a chink or several of them in their armor. Paul had some. Adam had some. Noah had a few. Abraham had a few. I mean, I just got done reading Abraham. He gives his wife away again. And he says, I just didn't want to get in trouble. (laughs) This is the man of God. Does not discount him. Doesn't mean that we should, you know, follow that example. But have you ever noticed why your mom and dad are? Have you ever noticed? You know, it may be your fault that your elders are so weird because you have so many problems God's not going to be able to get to you any other way have you ever wondered why you're here at this church with this guy he's so well it may be you and once you know you could fight against it or we could say oh this is what God has so we're here to make disciples and that's the work we need to be involved with and I believe that's the reason that the church is is here to be speaking to one another those things which you have been commanded and taught so that they can be taught and taught and taught again Paul lays this out to Timothy teaching faithful men the things that you've seen, you've heard the things that I've taught, do those things it is God you know why it's so easy to say amen to the writings of the apostle he's dead I can interpret it any way I want. Saying amen to mom and dad is reality. Yeah. Whoa. You mean really serve a God? Really give up my own life? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now that we know the purpose that we're, we are to make disciples. That's our, that's our work. Now, if we're not careful, oh boy. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Is that where we are? No. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to go over this over and over again. For we are laborers together with God. In chapter 9, we are God's husbandry, we are God's field. We are workers together with God. We're builders. We're not just using a pew. Okay? remember the sign we are workers we're supposed to be we are laborers together with God we're building we should be building something Noah we should be building or looking for a city whose builder and maker is God so we are called to do something to be like God ultimately but in that there's a course in this life that we have to follow so we first off we need to reconcile that we are workers together with God according to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another man builds upon. Let every man take heed on how he builds. You are a builder. You are supposed to be building according to what you have heard and the blueprint that has been given unto you. And again, the general blueprint, the international building code is not enough to build your house. Your plan must ultimately be what you're building. And that's what Paul is saying. You now heard the word. Now you be builders. You take that and build it. All right? And it uh, it warns us on how to build. Okay, I'm going through here quickly because I want to get this. Philippians chapter 2. No, Philippians chapter 2. Yes. Philippians chapter 2. And then we'll... And I believe we need to be correcting and instructing and teaching one another, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but also... of thinking like the Lord thinks on any given day and any given subject. Like I said, there's certain things that I now, that God is working in my life, there's things I've got to learn to like. Like I said, you know, at some point I've got to learn to like Christy. She's got to learn to like me. She's given herself to the work of the ministry. Do you know what her ministry is? It's me. She excels at it. She boasts about it. She tells me about it. She makes sure that I'm dressed for church. You're a ministry too, then. Yeah. You know. She makes sure I've got enough food. She makes sure I'm, out, I'm working not too hard. She makes sure that's, that's her first thought of everything. She's got a ministry. It's me. Wow. Would you like a ministry? Yeah, you've got one. It's called the church. If you've got a husband, it's your husband. If you've got a wife, it's your wife. If you've got children, it's your children. But it doesn't end there. There's a great, you know, what we're supposed to be teaching. Philippians chapter 3. Chapter 3? No, chapter 2. I'm touching on a lot. We'll, we'll, we'll refine it down. Chapter 2. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more... in in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, we're workers. We're workers. But what, So there's something that we ought to be doing. For it is God that, works His, that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. This is a very hard one. Like again, I said for most of us, particularly in the Western culture, particularly as children of the 60s, we have been taught I, we, we play a game now. Uh, it's a new game, the shoot 'em up game. You know what it says right in the beginning of that game? Challenge everything. Little snot. Now, we need to be challenging the right things. But we feel it's our right and our duty. We actually feel it's the Holy Spirit to murmur and complain against certain things. Usually, it's the things I disagree with. We feel it's our God given right. Think about it again. It may be the Holy Spirit. Because listen to what he says. He says, Work out your. It is. Okay, work out your. There's something that we need to work on. Verse 3. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if we do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. We're going to be. If we do these things, we're going to be thinking like God. We're going to be acting like God. We're going to be holding. We're going to be in the midst of a crooked and. World, perverse nation among whom you shine as light. We're going to be shining as we do this one thing, holding forth the word of life, that you may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, so forth and so on. But he basically says here, for it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. How do you know that's going to happen? What do you need to do? Remember, we need to be doing something. We're workers. How do we know that, what do we do in order for God to work His good pleasure in us. He told us. But because we're so dull and we're so proud, we didn't hear it, maybe. How do we let God work His good pleasure and will? First off, God wants to do with you what He wants to do. He's made some choices and, and decisions about your life without asking you. And we say, God wants to work His will And good pleasure. How do we let God work his good will and pleasure in you? Okay, this is open for debate now. Anybody? We just read it. We just read how to do that. Yes. Chapter that begins with Wherefore, my beloved brother, my, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more. You've heard some things. And if you take those things which you've heard and you've been preached to and have been committed unto you, and if you do those things, if you obey those things, not just when I'm hammering on you, but if you receive that as as voluntary and love and you say, this is God working in my life, it's going to be God who works in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Not just God had a call on David's life. Go be a shepherd. God moving, God moving until that day comes. Goliath is there. He thought like God. And now God is speaking to you the same thing. And he's giving you commandment and teaching and an unction and an anointing and a call and a church and a direction that says, I have placed you here. It's up to you to receive it or not. Now Aaron said something on Wednesday said something every day. He said something on Wednesday because remember I talked about Noah. Not you know the 120 years. Four families didn't have any children. But the, and I, I think you just kind of said it. Just yeah, I don't think you were making a you know a, a great point. You're just like you know just saying something as usual. But he said he said well maybe no ham you know the three families their kids didn't make it on the ark. I thought oh wow I don't know. About that could, you know, doesn't say. Yeah, so, say law. But there could be things that we're not receiving. See, because we, we, we got some other things to say. We're not letting God work his good pleasure in me. We might think, well, it wasn't right that Potiphar did that. It wasn't right that this man did this. It wasn't right my... God has a will, and if you do those things which you are commanded to do, making disciples of all nations hearing the unction, the direction that God had, and begin to embrace that and say, Lord, you want to change me, not me change. I want to do, oh, I am being changed, and I realize this conflict in me, this fight in me, is not because you're wrong, but you're leading me in a way that, just like he said to Peter, I wouldn't want to choose. And Peter had to be reminded of your purpose, Peter, is to glorify me. Now, the things that I've taught you, he says, the things that you've seen of me, if you want to let God have his will and good pleasure, then begin to be adapted to the work that God is doing by the Holy Spirit, by his divine intervention in your life, saying, oh, I'm not placed here by accident. This isn't some weird happenstance. This isn't some weird thing happening. This is God, and I'm going to start doing all things without murmuring and disputing. And I'm going to allow those things that he's brought into my life to change me so I can be someday like Joshua. Let's go up and take it at once. Joshua could have just, well, I believe, I'm excited about this. I, I like, you know, I want, these are what God is doing in my life. There's certain things that we just let ourselves lose because we've forgotten or have gotten a little tired of discipling. And so we let, ah, uh, you know, I don't care about it. You can have that. and Well, it doesn't matter what you're now picking up manna for 40 years, or let's go up and take it at once. God, I want to think like you think. And how is that going to happen? Let him have his goodwill and pleasure in your life by obeying those things which he's placed in your midst. And saying, oh, I like that. I'm going to learn to like that. Amen? Are you following that thought? Now, I know there's a lot there. But I believe that's what the direction of God is for to make disciples of all nations. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, let your word accomplish your purpose and your will be done in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.